I'm Dao, I'm a visual artist and the founder of the Dao Art Gallery, and this is I Paint Ideas Podcast, where I give my art a voice and where I share stories about my art. Thanks so much for joining me. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, I invite you to do so, so you don't miss any of the new stories coming up. So, Art Basel recently asked followers on Twitter to name their favorite artist's self-portrait. And of course, the art Twitter did not disappoint. Among the favorites were, of course, Dali, MC Asher, Van Gogh, even some AI rendering made the cut. But that got me thinking about my self-portraits. And of course, right off the bat, I tripped over a couple of issues. First, I'm not a realist, so I'm not going to have any realistic portraits, let's say, of myself. And second, I'm not the one to do a portrait of myself at all. Now, with that said, I do have an entire collection of experiences as art pieces, and it's called the diary collection. And the whole premise of the diary collection is that instead of writing what's happening in a diary, I would be painting about it and putting those pieces into a diary collection. So the diary collection is then all about turning experiences into art. Usually, those experiences are the ones that sucked the life out of me for weeks at a time, which was the case for a painting called The Allegiance, or the ones making me question what I'm doing at all, which was the case with The Blue Angel Running, or the ones that simply keep me up at night, which was the case with The Sailboat in the Storm, for example. So mostly challenging experiences, but there are some happy ones thrown in once in a while as a counterbalance. The first rule of the diary collection is that we do not talk about the diary collection. And the second rule of the diary collection is that we do not talk about the diary collection. And so for a very long time, those were the rules. And I wouldn't even share a title of my painting with anybody, let alone talk about what it means or where it comes from or what inspired it or anything. Like, never. Because... It's super easy to hide behind the painting and the images. I would say much, much easier than to have to explain myself. Or it's a lot easier to work it out by myself through art than to share those events or feelings of vulnerabilities with anyone, except, of course, with, with art. Well, until now, right? So in my old age, I enjoy talking about each piece in detail on this podcast, that's the whole premise of this podcast, because I view art as an entity, energy that co-creates with me, and now it is my pleasure to give it a voice. It's taking a spotlight from me, necessarily, and putting it on art and the journey, and I also see it as provenance for each of the art pieces. I would much rather be the one telling the story about the painting and where it came from, than having somebody else guess what it means. I welcome other people's opinion, definitely, and I always want to understand how people experience my art, but when it comes to telling the story of it and how it came about, I want to be the one telling the story. So I look at it as provenance as well. The diary collection is definitely emotionally charged. It's not realistic, at all. Obviously, I'm an abstract artist, but it's not realistic at all, but it's far more telling. That whole concept of not being realistic, but far more telling reminds me of this autobiography that I had to write that was also 
that was also not very realistic, but far more telling. And I think that's where it started. Long time ago, I had to write this autobiography about myself, which of course I didn't like. I, I never liked to write about myself. So I had to write it for class and actually for Mrs. E's class. And truth be told, I couldn't stand the woman. She was a Broadway wannabe. And according to my estimation, she kind of gave up halfway through. So she wore stage makeup every day. She really firmly believed that the entire world is a stage and every other theater cliche you can throw at her. Uh, Now, I come from theater as well. I started acting when I was nine. My first paying job was on the main stage of the National Theater in Belgrade when I was 16. And she did not impress me at all. And I objected to her mostly because she used to have a clique of students that she favored at the expense of other much more talented kids. And I felt that that was injustice to their art. And I didn't like her. I didn't like her at all. But my problem was that I had her for all my classes. I had her for English and acting and video production, except art history. That was Mr. Sutton, and I really, really liked him. So he was fantastic. (laughs) I had nothing bad to say about him. But her did not like at all. And so for Thanksgiving that year, she wanted to produce this commercial that was going to be shown on the local uh, Channel 27 that the school owned or broadcasted on. And um, she wanted the acting class to come together with video production class and produce this commercial where the acting class, like 20 kids, would dress up as turkeys and rap gobble, gobble, gobble. So I flat out refused. I was not going to have that float around for all posterity on Channel 27, dressed as turkey and rapping gobble, gobble, gobble. It was inappropriate. It was, to me, it was just wrong on so many levels so I told her that it was the stupidest idea that I have ever heard and I was not doing it so she let me know in no uncertain terms that a it was her idea and b I was going to get a zero I didn't care I still (laughs) I still thought it was dumb and wrong and I was not going to do it and I was fine with getting a zero so I told her as much so then this exchange was going on right in front of other, other kids. So then this punk kid backed me up. He said, if she's not doing it, I'm not doing it. And, um, and then we almost started a revolution, which really didn't go well at all. On the plus side, I became fast friends with a punk kid who was actually very cool. So it was not all lost, right? One of the other things that triggered me, I guess, is that Aside from my job at the National Theater, and which was paid, I was a part of a theater group, and we had no budget for anything. The only currency we had to produce our plays was our bootstrapped creativity. That was it. That's all we had. And this studio that we had at this time was fully loaded. You could literally do anything, but no. We had 20 people in a single static shot wrapping gobble, 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 dressed like turkeys. So I took serious offense to the lack of imagination and laziness, quite frankly, which I thought was such a waste to have all this equipment and all these possibilities and not use it. So anyways, on the way home, I thought myself, okay, maybe that was a bit rude. You know, I was getting other kids riled up. English is my second language. I can, I can be impolite sometimes without knowing it. 
okay, so maybe I should apologize. But then when I got home, I realized that she had complained about me to everybody already. I figured gloves off and I'm not apologizing. So I didn't. And maybe that was wrong. But anyways, that's when we had to write this autobiography in her class. And I said to myself, I'm not writing anything that she's going to like read and learn about me. Like, I don't want her to know anything about me. So I'm not writing about real events. And I decided that I'm going to come up with a, a series of stories told by my angel on my shoulder, following me around. And those stories are based on psychological tests. You know, the tests like, here's the house. You know, you see the front door, you go through the front door, you see a long hallway. On the left is a red door. You open the red door, what do you see? So I wrote my autobiography in that fashion, trying to be clever and smart and not to tell her anything about myself. Of course, it turns out that I just gave her a whole psychological profile on me. That was very, <laughs> that was very smart. But somehow I impressed Mrs. E. And from that point forward, I think we were okay. She would ask me if I wanted to participate in class. And, you know, I, I did want to participate. I just didn't want to do dumb, dumb stuff, you know. That was the autobiography that was not realistic at all, but it was far more telling. And I think that was the beginning of the diary collection, to be able to paint something that is not realistic, but it's far more telling about the experience um, that was then turned into art. And just like the psychological test autobiography, the pieces in the diary collection are not at all realistic, but are far more telling. There are at least three different paintings thus far in the collection, in the diary collection, that may qualify as self-portraits. The first one is called If I Was a Wave, which was a portrait of myself, like a, a take on self-portrait if I was a quantum object. The second one is called An Artist Trapped in Nerd's Mind. And the third one is called The Multipotentialite. And as always, I'll add links to show notes. You can access uh, show notes in the description box of the, this episode, wherever you're listening. Or you can go to ipaintideaspod.com where you can see all the other episodes as well. But I'll put all the links to artwork in show notes so you can check them out. So the painting, If I Was a Wave, is heavily, heavily influenced by my love of quantum physics. In fact, I didn't really like physics when I had to take it. But when I didn't have to take it anymore, I found myself in the library reading up on quantum mechanics and particle physics and string theory for fun, for fun, okay? Anyways, I talked about it all the time. And my best friend, who is an amazing, you know, creative free spirit, she would listen. And I talked about particles and waves and experiments. And then she would call me and she would say, are you a wave or a particle? Because if you're a wave, I'll call you later. But if you're a particle, let's go to the movies. And I would say, I'm a particle, I'm a particle, I'm a particle. I, could, I couldn't say it fast enough because I love movies. So let's go to the movies. I'm a particle. So this is my take on a self-portrait, thinking of myself as a quantum object. So this is me as a wave. Prussian blue is the Higgs boson field and different colors represent different elementary particles and cobalt blue is electromagnetism. And, and then just for fun, I had to throw in gravity 
white is gravity. And of course, I figured how hard can it be to unify gravity into a standard model, which is really the biggest problem of, of modern physics right now. Um, but I thought it, it would be fun to do that and at least unify it in my painting. Not, not sure how it all you know, uh, fits together, but I put it in there. And this painting is very, very deceptive. From afar, if you're looking, if you're looking at it from across the gallery, it's it's like a dark box. It's like a, a dark mass, right? It's dark. It's moody. And then if you get closer to it, and I mean you have to get very close to it, it comes alive with color and texture. And what I try to do is show an object that gives you a different experience when you're looking at it and observing it from different points of view, like in different ways. So big picture versus details, you know, particles versus waves. And, and there are actually a lot of little waves and subtle textures um, throughout the painting. That's what it's made out of. It's, it's these little waves. You just can't see it when you're far away. And even the skinned image of it doesn't do it justice. Like you have to see it in person to really appreciate all the details. And that's what I do uh, for all my art. I scan it professionally and, and we use that image for any of the fine art signed prints that we sell at the gallery. So, so, so for this one, it's really hard because the scanned image doesn't even do it justice. The funny thing is, though, this could be a portrait of you too, or anyone else for that matter, because we're all made out of the same stuff. We're all really quantum objects. Uh, at the end of the day, I lost touch with my best friend over the years, but I knew that she would get the joke. It would be a total inside joke between us. So this painting is dedicated to her. During the pandemic, I had a chance to interview a person from CERN, which is a European organization for nuclear research that operates the largest laboratory for particle research in the world. And it's home to the Hadron Collider. So I showed him the painting after our interview for this other project. Uh, I showed him the painting. I explained what it's about. And he invited me to visit the next time I'm in Geneva to see the Hadron Collider. And needless to say, he made my day and week and month. And I was walking around with a sperma smile for like days. And I will definitely take him up on that next time I'm in Geneva. I don't know when that's going to be, but next time. I just can't wait. I think that would be so much fun to see. If this didn't convince you how big of a nerd I am, I will try again next week with a review of my painting An Artist Trapped in Nerd's Mind. Uh, it's how I think of myself and how I describe myself. It's also from the diary collection. And it's really cool because it has digital extensions, which I'll cover as well. This one that we talked about today, if I was a wave, does not have any digital extensions or any art on the continuum yet. Not to say that years from now, it won't be any, but for right now, it's very rare um, occasion, very rare occurrence that that's the case. But the next time, it will be all about the artist trapped in Nerd's Mind. So stay tuned for that. And until then, thank you so much for listening to my stories, tuning in for all of your support and remember to subscribe and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.